Welcome back. We had a good time with Colin um, on the last episode. Uh, this week, I want to talk to a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, we've become close over the last year. Uh, he is putting out some pretty amazing content. Honestly, we met through social media. And to be quite honest with you, I've met some of my best friends through social media. And every single week, I get excited to talk to this guy, Dan. And thank you for coming on the show, brother. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Tom. Dan is from Virginia Beach. Um, full disclosure, I've never been there, which is a absolute positive, huge mistake considering that I surf. I know I need to get to Virginia Beach and at least try it out. I'm all up and down, North Carolina, South Carolina, everything else like that. But one of the other things that I love about Dan is he's with Real. He's with the Real Brokerage, which is Bob Tompkins and Mike Corbett and and my buddy Chi and just a list goes on and on and on of like these amazing creators yeah. that are on Instagram and TikTok. Katie Day, Trey Serrano. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of good creators on there. Yeah, and so uh, it just makes sense, right? And I'm trying to get a lot of other real estate agents to, to look into real because I feel like it's it's the one place where you can hone in on your... Um, creative skills without being pigeonholed by the broker that you might be representing. So, um, yeah, like again, it's becoming almost like a mecca. It's like where where all the creators go. Yeah, it is. It is. That's really what it's become. So, so talk. Let's let's kind of get into that. Like you know, you and I met via social media. We started mm -hmm. doing some stuff together and working together. And I'm really curious about the real broker thing. How, how did that, how did you go from where you were in, into real and, and how did that all kind of come to come into play? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I think it's, it's interesting. Every real estate agent, you know, they go through kind of periods in their career when an opportunity, you know, you and I talk about this when like someone makes a decision, it is one of two things going on. There's pain going on or the carrot is enticing enough for you to move. And so uh, I would say it's probably a good mixture. I had some pain going on with the previous broker um, and I was kind of not actively thinking about it, but there was enough pain for me to when an opportunity came that I was like, oh, I should probably consider this. And I that's sort of what I saw is I saw uh, a massive amount of collaboration going on, uh, a culture that I kind of wanted to be part of, um, a group of people uh, that I wanted to kind of network with and um, learn from and and real is that it's uh, it's intentionally um, unlike some other brokerages where there's exclusivity to who you sign up underneath. Um, they are hey we are here to share and all grow together and we don't lose anything by coming together and giving the best practices from across the board from every agent. And that was so that was why it was so attractive to me. Yeah, and I mean the success online from the the real brokers, you know, like yourself and and many others. Um, just just through social media, I think you you guys and gals both all show that you can utilize these tools to to build a very 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 strong customer base, and I think that's just lost. Sure. Yeah, I mean you don't have to be with real to to get that. I mean to a degree, um, I, I think about this because I watch like Gary V. I've watched you. I've watched uh, these guys who are um, arguably kind of the pinnacle of of social media content. And all you got to do is watch what they're posting. I mean, if they, what they're posting is literally what they're going, hmm, what this is what's working right now. So if Gary V is doing a green screen, maybe you should be doing green screens. Don't you, don't you, don't get into that. Don't get into that. <laughs> I had that argument earlier this week with Jason and uh, he, he was just talking about that. And that's a great point. 
That is a great point. I, I say that very, very, you know, a lot actually to a lot of people. I'm like, you know, you can go outside your niche, mm-hmm. look at content and bring that content back in and then hook it up to what you're currently doing sure. and, and utilize those types of posts just to garner a little bit of attention. You know what I mean? I mean, you had a post the other day, the the one where you're sailing on the boat. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off about it. Yeah. How many views did that, that did that post hit? Uh, I don't remember, but I do remember it was like one of the higher engagement posts uh, recently. Um, I want to say on it was funny is it actually t- it was a TikTok template hmm. uh, created through CapCut, which I think TikTok owns CapCut if I remember correctly, or maybe maybe not. Uh, but then the most of the traction actually came from Instagram. Um, and it was something like, you know, 2000 views, which was not, not bad, but really it was the amount of comments and engagements and, and things that came out of that. And it was just me going, ha that's funny. How do I apply that to my industry? I took, I think it was literally like six seconds or seven seconds. I was like, Hey, post a video of you being exhausted or frustrated. And then it automatically puts on the template. And it, I think it took me less than a minute to put together. It was so, it was so frustrating how, I'm like trying to figure out all these creative juices and what do I do? And all of a sudden it's like just this moment of inspiration post and be done. Yeah. And that's a great point because that that's another one of these things where CapCut, it, it, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. CapCut has grown from when I started using it like a year and a half, two years ago, almost at this point where it was mm-hmm. just a video editing tool to now it's at a place where it's not only can you go in there and you can make some really quick edits that actually have already proven that they've had great performance. So the mm-hmm. odds are in your favor. If you take this and repurpose it, the odds are in your favor that it's going to do well. You're following the rules, which is great, number one. Number two, they literally just released the AI um, uh, teleprompter within CapCut as well. So those of you that are in situations where you're like, oh, I'm a little nervous on camera and stuff like that, you can shoot through the CapCut app and have a teleprompter within the app, kind of help guide you through it, adding in a, you know, a little, couple little nuances. But to me, these apps are getting smarter and smarter and smarter. And then with the release of ChatGBT, I think you're in a situation now where you're not even going to have to write the script. It's just going to be written for you. If anything, um, one of the things I've, I think you and I have talked about this is like quit being a little bitch, um, meaning uh, it, it is, it is, uh, easier today to be creative and produce content than it ever has before. Um, and this excuse of, I don't feel comfortable on camera. I'm like, bro, you're, you're sh- shooting 10 second to 30 second clips. Um, you could screw it up 10 times and barely be 15 minutes into like a creative versus, you know, we've been running a YouTube channel for a while. If you go out and shoot in a half a day's worth of drone footage and screw it up, the amount of time that it takes to reproduce and go out there and try again is so much more time. I just think if you're not producing content on short form uh, media channels, you are missing the boat in a large capacity. What what was the turning point for you? You know, because I asked a lot of real estate agents, what was the turning point for you when you were like, okay, this way is not working anymore. I've got to I've got to switch it over and 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 utilize these platforms to start getting the attention that I want or that I was getting before with some of these older traditional ways of doing things? I don't know if I would say, um, I mean, Sean over here behind the camera, he and I um, meet on a regular occasion and he helps me out a lot with my content and um, you know runs a lot of the technical stuff behind. But one of the things I think we realized was that we were 
we were already doing long form content. And the more that we looked at it, short form content is actually in many ways so much easier to produce at scale. Um, and so we saw this, if we didn't put the effort into taking stuff that a skill set that we had already kind of learned and started implementing into the short form field, we were just missing a massive opportunity. I almost look at it like, you know, if it, let's say you were trying to get into toilet paper sales and you just happen to be at the very beginning of COVID. It's like, dude, this is the best time ever to be selling toilet paper. I, I feel like that almost like that right now, short form content is it's not that it's um, not, maybe not at the beginning of COVID, but there's still massive, massive opportunity for anyone who's just willing to try and throw stuff at the algorithm and see what sticks. If you're not willing, that's what I saw is like, I just, I can't let this opportunity go by me. Yeah. And see, I think not just even real estate agents, but I think a lot <clears> of people <throat> kind of like acknowledge that as they <laughs> saw all these platforms start to grow. What I think the difference is, is that, and I hate to bring up the consistency factor, but it's like so many people start and stop and start and stop. And I can see that, that follow every single time when I, when I look at people's profiles and I'm like, okay, well, you were doing really good here. And then you just stopped and you're like disappear. And then you came back three months later and then you disappeared again. And then you came back two months later and, and they always question, they're like, you know, it just wasn't working. It didn't work. And, and I'm like, if you look at every single person yourself, Lauren Matera, um, Scott, Be I mean, the list goes on Scott Betley, um, uh, Joe Washington. I mean, there's, the list is, is infinite. These people show up every single day, mm. you included every day. And it's like, we, we know that the acceptance of that, the post is going to fail that right there should just be like, look, the, these posts are probably going to fail. But mm -hmm. if we don't show up every single day, we're not going to know which ones may have done very, very well. Yeah. And, and that's the diff that's the differentiator between all of this. You either go every day or you don't go at all. I just don't see the the point of this, the spattering back and forth. Did you ever deal with anything like that? Well, you and I talked about this on our last call. Um, the algorithms are amazing. They're, yeah. They are, but they're imperfect. Because um, we were talking about like taking uh, one post and literally posting it and then two weeks later posting it again and then maybe a month later posting it again. And who knows, it might just take off on that third time. Yep. Um, there are tried and true ways of doing things like, okay, let me think about I need a hook, I need to give information, I need to be entertaining. And there are like methods of, of producing good content. But if you're only producing one piece of content a week the amount of opportunities or at-bats that you get is severely, severely limited. Um, and so there's this constant qu question, I think, along uh, amongst most creators is, do I produce five pieces of content today that maybe are not the best and just throw a whole bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks? Or do I get everything perfect and only shoot when I'm in the mood? And only shoot when uh, the lighting is perfect. Or do I just put a whole bunch of shit out there and see what sticks? Um, and I, I think the answer is pretty simple. Um, if you want opportunities to pop off, you have to throw as much at the wall as you possibly can. And the only way to do that is to set up routines. So like Sean and I shoot every Thursday. It's in the calendar. We don't miss it. Every Wednesday in the mornings, we have a meeting where we talk about, hey, what content is working? What did work? What, what do we need to shoot next? Hey, what are we filming next week? And, you know, how, do we need to go out and get this footage or that footage? Uh, what, what popped off? What didn't? Do we need to repost things? 
this is not something that you you got to be you got to be an adult about this. Mm-hmm. If you go to if you go to the gym once and you put in a big effort, it's going to feel really good. But if you want results, you got to show up every single day and put in the work. That it's just that simple. I agree. And coming from somebody who goes to the gym every single day, I can tell you that it and I've been doing that for seven years straight pretty much. I've probably missed a few days in there, but not too many. I can tell and you. Do you that. feel do you feel like it every time? Absolutely not. Yeah. Is every workout great? No. No, absolutely not. And and you're and you're absolutely right. I agree. It's it it, it is probably the, the most comparable thing to the gym um than anything else out there because the it, it's the it's this expectation of instant success because you're seeing other people at the gym around you that you look at them mm-hmm. and you're like, God, I wish I had something like that. If you would go up and talk to these people very much like people like DM me or DM you and ask us, you know, Hey, how'd you get, how'd you get there? Or how'd you do that? If you'd ask these people, they've been doing it forever. It's not mm-hmm. something that they, and, it, and it's a big, big, big part of their life. Just yeah. like between you and I making content is a big part of our life. It's not this, you know, tiny little thing. It's the <clears> one <throat> thing that we've done that sets us apart. And I've said this a million times and you live this. And I say this to real estate agents, loan officers, title people. I mean, everybody in any industry, creator first, what you do for a living second. If you switch those two things, it makes a massive difference, a massive difference. But yeah, yeah. and I've heard you say this and I've said this before. So real estate agents, real estate agents and loan officers are kind of notorious for this. Um, you know, they, they get some business, get busy, then they get into the files or doing the actual practitioner work. Um, but it's anything can work. Door door knocking can work. Postcards can work. Um, I personally believe that there's no way for you to get as much reach at cheaply and efficiently than social media. Um, when I get a, uh, a video that let's just say, quote unquote, pops off and gets 2000 views. And let's assume that only 20% of those are actual, like people will actually go through and watch it. That's pretty incredible. Um, when, I get to, when it goes to YouTube, and I have a video that says, you know, here are seven major reasons why you may not want to move here. And it has, I think, what's that one, Sean? It gets like 20 views a day or something along those lines. You know, it's, it's a, um, a 14 minute video. The average view length is about 50%, which really means that of the people are watching 20, 22 minutes and 50% are watching like 80% of the video. That's really what it's probably end up happening. But if I have 20 to 40 people that are watching that a day, my reach is incredible. You can't knock that many doors. It's impossible. Someone is choosing to watch that. You know, I, you show up at my door uninvited. I have like, if depending on my personality type, I may just feel socially awkward and not want to have to like tell you to fuck off. Yeah. It's a good point. And what I would what I always say to people that are are talking about traditional marketing, I'm like, you can you can still do traditional marketing to this day. It's mm. it's, it's how you do the traditional marketing, right? So I'll give you a couple examples. If I was going to go door knocking, I would go door knocking within the last two weeks of December, grab four or five of the other realtors that are in my brokerage, go Better door knocking, home. be a caroler, mm-hmm. right? Sing some, sing some carols, and at the very end of it, hand them a brochure that you're a real estate agent, your card, or whatever it is, right? If you're doing a um, uh, postcards in the mail, I would do a postcard that is so outlandishly ridiculous that mm-hmm. it does not look like it. Like it literally could be your face on the postcard. That's it. They turn it over, 
and it's a QR code. They take a picture of it and it takes them directly to a YouTube video that says, hey, by the way, I just wanted to, I, it seems like you just picked me out of your mailbox. My name is Dan Inman. I'm a real estate agent for Real Broker right down the street from you. Mm -hmm. That is untraditional, traditional marketing. And I think that if people would think outside the box just a little bit and look at merging the traditional world with the digital world together like that, and just slightly think outside the box, they could come up with some really good ideas where traditional marketing still work. Right. I mean, those are tactics. And I think it's it's a smart way to go. How do we take um, maybe some old ways of doing things and doing them more uniquely? But I, I kind of come back still to the, the point of, of short form content and, and long form, but mostly short form is that, um, well, let me ask you this, Todd, what do, what do you feel like how the world is shifting in uh, corporate BS campaigns versus personal branding? Mm, that's a good point. Even though now the podcast has been turned around and I'm being interviewed, but totally well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a point that I want to make. And it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, there's a there's proof in the pudding. Jason showed me a um, uh, a bit of a document yesterday where he went through a bunch. They went through a bunch of ads that they were running, and he showed me like UGC like ish kind of like boots on the ground. Like looks like a TikTok, looks like a real kind of ad for a company or a couple mm -hmm. different companies actually, and then showed like a professionally done, like well done, well edited, you know, professional digital campaign. And without fail, like every single time the UGC campaign and, and that, that shot from the phone look just outperformed miles ahead of the professionally done stuff. So I think it yeah. just kind of shows you, it's like, we're past that, that being, being sold bullshit kind of thing. Sure. Just, we will buy from like relatable stuff and relatable views um, yeah. on, on those platforms. I, I think the, yeah. So the alley-oop I was trying to set up was you've got, you got people like, whether you like them or not, uh, Conor McGregor, The Rock, um, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, um, these personal brands that have been monetized. Gary Vee is mm -hmm. again, another example. And so I, I think that this, the market is not, it's shifting more one direction than the other. And what I see, and I think um, more and more people are starting to see is, oh, I can build a personal brand, even though if that personal brand is 20,000 people or 30,000 people, that is pretty strong and crazy. Um, someone who's going to come and go, I want to go to Real Broker because of this. I want to work clients. I want to work with Dan because I've been watching him for three months and he occasionally cusses and talks about his kids and how important his, his relationship is with his wife and how he told someone to leave him alone because he had date night and didn't take that piece of business, even though he you know really wanted to, but it was like, I get one night a week with my wife and I'm not giving that up. Um, I'm going to wear that cologne that Todd told me so I can secure the deal at the end of the night. Uh, but that personal, that, that personal brand, I think, is becoming more powerful, not less powerful. And I think the world is shifting in that direction. Yeah, I think it started shifting a long time ago. Um, and I, I would, man, I was lucky enough to hit that, that shift quickly, you know, and I give my, I give, you know, my ex business partner credit for that, because he was like, you should do something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, eh, well, we'll see. And I did it. And I just stuck with it and stuck with it very much like you like, I just I'm like, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it until it works. Um, sure. And I, we wouldn't be talking today if you hadn't. Yeah, exactly. And and I can tell you that like with without a doubt that Todd Collins as a brand overshadowed the previous company and it overshadows the current agency. It just overshadows it completely. And what I like about that is it's so strong 
that if anything go else goes away, that that brand is steadfast. I have complete 100% control over it. Nobody can take it away from me. It's me, period. And I love that control. And it just shows if you can build on the back of that, you can make your life so much easier. We were talking about fuck you money. And the best way to get to the fuck you money you know, avenue, the best directions to get there are betting on yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't bet on anything else. The only way you're going to get there, and you gave good examples, Conor McGregor, perfect example. This guy fought, 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 did his stuff, made his money, and Our now best. he's living his now he's living his best life. And does he have to fight again? No, not at all. Does he want to? Maybe sometimes if he wants to prove a point, but he's gotten to the point where he's built he's built so many sectors of revenue for himself that he doesn't have to do anymore what got him there. Mm -hmm. That's that's how you do this. That's how you build a strong personal brand. Multiple avenues of revenue coming in based off of that one thing, one person of everything that you do. And, and you can't do that in a postcard. No. Or, or the, the strength of that is very difficult to do. In the iterative process, right? So you send out a postcard, you get certain responses. Like in, uh, social media is instant. It's instantaneous. This either works or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, you can do iterative process. The, the cost of filming from your phone is basically nil. The cost of sending out 2000 postcards, kind of pricey. Absolutely. You can't, and you can't measure, look, you can measure, in my opinion, you can measure everything digitally. You cannot measure everything from these traditional sides. Radio, very difficult, right? I mean, the list goes on of how difficult it is to measure absolutely anything in this market. Um, but when it comes to digital, we're, we're given the tools to be able to measure these things, which makes life a, so much easier. And it makes it where it's like, okay, we're going to invest in this. And by investing in this, we've made a good decision because at the end of this run of whatever this thing is, we can go back and we can quantify what we spent and then what we got out of it. And be able to be able to do that is, in my opinion, makes it a no brainer for anybody. But again, like you said before, the fear factor is gigantic. You know, it's in, it's interesting. I the other the thing uh, when we first started talking, and I think we've had this conversation before, is I think too many people think that you have to dance to do like they <laughs> just see TikTok as a dance platform. And uh, what's fascinating, having gone through and be, been a little bit of a consumer on Instagram and being a consumer on TikTok is I realized that, yeah, there, there is a certain audience that enjoys that type of thing or, and pays attention to it. One, all you got to do is go in and say, boom, not interested. And you do that enough times and TikTok goes, okay, we're not putting that in front of you. I have pieces of content that show up on TikTok that are three minutes long and I watch the entire thing. And there are other things that are goofy and silly that I pay attention to. Um, Glenda Baker is a good example of someone who just tells stories. Um, there's a couple of gals that I follow on Instagram, or excuse me, on TikTok that are real estate agents, and they're just silly. You know, they they go through and tell their opinion about a listing. This, you know, there's one girl that does uh, the the like haunted listing. She's like, this place is creepy as hell. Um, and that's, that's all she does. It's just kind of her personality. I just, I don't think the, the excuse of I have, I'm not going to get on those platforms because I don't want to dance is bullshit. Because you could probably be yourself are there now are there arguments that certain pieces of content stick and go further? Sure. But if you're using it as an excuse of I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z, it's bullshit because you can be yourself on these platforms and probably build the brand on it and get business from it. Yeah. I mean, the 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 jig is up on the dancing thing. Uh, mm -hmm. you don't need to do that 
to be successful in here. We, you know, I, I had a conversation today with somebody where, you know, there's moms on here, you know, credit to the moms, by the way, they're on here doing cooking and, and working out. And I mean, just straight up like mom life and whatever it is. And the reason that all those things do really well, the reason those things do well, especially like the couple stuff and mm. the, the uh even the husband like being the star and the wife being like the co the, the you know the co the co-star and in, in my opinion the reason those things do so well is because they're relatable mm. and because of that relatability it's very easy if you can push that into a, a piece of short form content it's very easy for someone just to give it a double tap or to leave a comment like absolutely i know exactly what you're talking about we forget how much a like we really are. And mm -hmm. I think it's maybe because of the world that we live in now where a lot of us are kind of nervous and scared to say some of the mm -hmm. things that we want to say. Yeah. But we forget how similar we all are together and that you can take these these very easy, simplified things like relationship issues sure. and they are everybody's going through them. Everybody's having those same issues. Can you do that same thing with the niche that you're operating yeah. Yeah. in? Absolutely. You just did it. With, with that last put that other post that you put out. It's a perfect yeah. example of it. And you can talk about anything. You can talk about any, this is brand building, this is building you. So let's just say you're a far left-leaning or far, far right-leaning person. Um, I've gone through and scrolled through and I have something that pops up that seems to be left-leaning or right-leaning and I watch it. Sometimes I'll actually go to the search bar and search for the opposite mm -hmm. of someone who has the same, um, same topic, but depending on the other side and both have massive audiences. That's yeah. what's I think fascinating is there is no excuse. The, the algorithm's job is to find you an audience. So your job is to put out relevant, funny, and engaging content around yep. whatever it is that you want to talk about. I'm glad you brought up search. So the other night went out, we're, we're shopping for Harper, who's my youngest daughter. She's into like all the other kids are into sports and video games, this, that, and everything else. Harper's into drama and uh, sewing and art and everything else. She's like the, the creative person, right? So we're going through all this stuff. We're getting her toys and everything else like that. I take her to a soccer game. I'm sitting down at a table across from her mom and we're talking about these Christmas gifts. And I said, yeah, she's into sewing, but I didn't really see anything there that kind of would work. And she's like, oh, well, there's this thing called um, a cricket. And a cr this cricket is a, it's a printer where mm -hmm. you can print things out. You can design them, whatever it is. It's hooked to your computer. You print things out. You can then take it, you unstick it, you can put it on a t-shirt, a book, whatever it is. It's a, it's a pretty amazing thing. And I said, and we're going down the rabbit hole on it. And I was like, man, I wonder how much they are. So the next thing that she does is she goes to Google and she starts seeing the prices. But then, and this is a middle-aged woman, we're talking you know, mid, late 40s. She then goes to TikTok, and I didn't even know she used TikTok. You goes to TikTok and starts pulling up short form video of people using the cricket. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I was very interested in not only the cricket at that point, but I was interested in, I, I literally said to her, I said, why did you go to TikTok to search for that? And she goes, well, if I go to Google, they're just going to show me the prices and they're trying to sell me the product. But if I go to TikTok and I search it at TikTok, they're going to show me somebody actually using the product, which then yeah. helps me explain it to you a little bit better. Right. And I said, loving wow. it, hating it, dogging on it. Yeah. Interesting. I was blown away. And I was like, okay, now I'm, now I'm starting to get it. Now I'm starting to get why this particular generation uses this app for search because they don't learn through reading 
and and blog they learn through action actionable content and sure. it was a it was a mind blower for me dude mm. search is big and i agree well, with it's that. funny it's funny you say that i uh i sent you a, a video sean of that ramen recipe because mm-hmm. uh, i watched through it I, I guess i didn't this is what what why it's so important i think to be at least a, even if you don't want to and i understand why to not be a constant consumer on the platform because you can you can spend a, an inordinate amount of time on there but I think you need to, if you're going to be a practitioner on it, at least a little bit of consumption can be helpful to understand why things work. So that day that I sent you, sent you that, I went through and I was like, I wonder if they have another recipe. So I typed in ramen recipes and I would just went through and looked at different ramen recipes. That's, I didn't. So watching my own like consumption, I was like, oh, I, did, I guess I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to how I was consuming it. Yeah. I mean, if you use, if you use TikTok search, like really use it next time. Like you're about to Google something, go to TikTok and go into the search side. You're going to be blown away. It is Mm. as powerful. You got to remember, they're pulling from so much content now that they have the ability to really truly become a a much stronger search engine than Mm -hmm. than Google ever could could be. I mean, it's very amazing. I I was blown away by it. Now I've used YouTube for a long time just because of the way that I learned. But I was I was impressed with how quickly she did it, and the fact that she didn't go to YouTube, that she went to TikTok, being the age group that she was in, that's yeah. what blew me the way the most. And I and then I asked a couple other people at the table, and it was the same situation. Like, oh yeah, that's what, I use TikTok more for search than anything. Fascinating. Like, holy shit. Do you think Do you think TikTok and Google will play nice with each other? You know, they're how, playing like, nice with each other now. The reason I, I said that. that go ahead. I, I, I think that they'll always play nice with each other because they both hate Facebook. Mm. There you go. I do too. I hate Facebook. Um, yeah, I think that's fascinating because part of the, part of the reason I even started the YouTube game was because I understood I can go, anyone at home right now can go in relocating to coastal Virginia, moving to coastal Virginia. Um, and it's likely, depending if you watch more video content versus reading uh, blog or search content, um, like edit uh, word content, that my videos will show up for free on the first page of Google. Yep. Um, and that's pretty powerful. Um, there. So it'll be interesting to see how the TikTok Google search interplay moving forward into the future. Well, I'm glad you brought up YouTube because YouTube shorts is obviously becoming more and more uh, valuable. In my opinion, it was, again, it was very much looked like it, it was TikTok. It was, you know, everybody in your industry, you know, scoffed at TikTok for a very long time. And so they started realizing they were like, holy shit, we got to get on here. And then they started like, oh crap, we got on here too late or whatever it was. And I've been shouting at the top of the mountain, YouTube shorts, get there, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, get there, get it all out there, redistribute the content you had on TikTok and Instagram reels, get it over there. Um, and, and, as I started testing, I think you got. Oh, you sound a little bit like a robot there, Todd. I know that I, I got. Sorry about that. In particular, when we were there, and you were on YouTube well before, I would say a majority of the people that were out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on that search success, my question to you is, what in the hell was going through your brain when you're like, you know what, we're going to go super hard on YouTube? Meaning when did we, when we first started with YouTube, what, why yep. did we do it? Uh, I saw it as a, um, 
most of my business was built on sphere of influence and referral. So I, I had reached kind of the top three, five percent of our area in real estate as real estate agents. Uh, and just for context for people who are not in the industry, um, the average real estate agent does between like eight and 12 deals a year. A quote unquote top producer probably falls into the category of like 30 to 60. A extreme producer would be somebody who's like 80 to 100. And there's a lot of variables there. So, but I had reached there mostly by sphere of referral. And I was like, all right, how do I grow? And what's the easiest way, or at least what I knew of at the time? Um, and I had, I think Sean and I have watched like um, a podcast, or I had probably watched a podcast. And I said, I think this is an opportunity to build out a way to bring business in um, that is not fully be taken advantage of. Now, there's only really one main guy in my area um, who, I have you know respect for. I'd like to beat him, but I, I, he's a really nice guy. Um, and I saw an opportunity to create content around the area that would drive business. Um, it took about six months of producing YouTube content before I saw my first business lead from it. But since then, I think from the first full year, we got about six or seven deals that came from YouTube. Um, and then the full second year would probably be somewhere between like 22 to 24 deals that came from YouTube. Uh oh, I think you froze there, Mr. Todd. Can you hear me all right? There we all go. right. So, YouTube gets me excited. And one of the things that I'm curious about is how did you get so far ahead on YouTube as many realtors were like, oh, you know, I, I know I need to be there, but I'm, you know, I just don't know how to start or whatever it is. What was like mm. clicking in your mind where you were like, oh, oh, yeah, like that's the place to be? I think I saw it as the next kind of progression in my business. I was looking at growing. I'd reached a certain level of success in, in being a real estate agent um, purely on sphere of influence and referral. Uh, so just to give context for people who don't know, like an average real estate agent, eight to 12 deals a year is kind of normal. Um, and then it has kind of this logarithmic curve of, of success. And uh, then you have individual agents and you have teams. But for individual agents, uh, getting up to the 40 or 50 deals a year is, is a pretty big deal. Um, you can do even more than that. I would say that's like a hyper producer, if you will. Um, but the I had reached a point where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get more business than 35, 40 deals a year based off sphere of influence, or at least I didn't see it at the time. So I was looking at different ways to get in, bring in more business. And I just saw YouTube as this opportunity. I was listening to a bunch of podcasts. Um, we initially, I think we got into the into it because of Jesse and Jackson. They're with EXP, uh, but they had the channel junkies. And, you know, to be honest, it was a great starting place. Um, we used that as kind of the launching, getting, getting our, our feet in the door and off the ground. But as Sean and I are kind of... Uh, unhealthily unhealthily obsessive on being the best uh, in some ways and so we very quickly learned that who we started with was not who we could you know end with and we realized people like daryl eaves is a good example um uh sean cannell with with uh with think media were some really good resources where it was like here's if you want to be the best youtuber here's how you do these things sometimes you have to just look outside your industry to to find inspiration and uh how to step up your game so we got into YouTube. It took me about six months before I got my first piece of business from it. Um, and the first full year, I probably did about six or seven deals specifically from YouTube. And the, and the cool thing about YouTube is um, these are inbound. Like all of my quote outbound was the, the content itself. So I can't reach out to people, but I would get a phone call. Hey, is this Dan? You know, we're looking at moving to the area. 
probably 85, 95% of the people are people moving into the area. So they're using YouTube as a search algorithm, right? To go learn more about the area. Second full year of YouTube was probably about 22, 23 deals that came from YouTube. And I was like, oh, this is, this is working. Um, and it's right. back to kind of what you're saying is like, you can, you have to put your time and energy somewhere. And for me, it was like, well, creating content, it, I'd rather do that than cold calls. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how we got started in YouTube. And we're going to, we continue to put content out there. We have some shifts that we're making in the YouTube on how we're seeing that. If you want to talk more about it, we can, but really, um, that, that was the reason I got into it is I, I saw it as the next highest leverageable way to bring in business. So when you, like you said, what you're doing now with it, is it a little bit different than what you were doing prior with YouTube? I mean, are you going in a kind of a different route right now with YouTube? You know, it YouTube in many ways, sort of like short form, there, there's tons of ways to do it. You know, there, there are real estate agents. Uh, there's a guy out of Texas, um, Nava Real Estate Group, I think is the guy. Um, he's out of uh, like the Dallas Fort Worth area. Dude is like 24, 25 years old, killing it, absolutely killing it. All he does is iPhone listing tours, not high end equipment, nothing. He just walks through, it's his personality. He's just talking about the house and he does a bunch of them a week. They're, they're not the highest edited. Um, and it, in some ways, it infuriates me because I put so much more effort into trying to get like the quality. And I'm like, this kid, he has like 140,000 followers, you know, on this. Now, some of that is uh, Texas, right? There, Texas yeah. is such a high influx market back to the, the selling toilet paper in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Well, when you when you have such a mass exodus going on in, in Florida and Texas and Colorado are good in Phoenix, Arizona is a good example of this, of the marketplaces over the last three years that have been massive amounts of people moving to. Um, that you, if you started a YouTube channel, you're going to do it. So I've, I've had to like quell my, like, all right, well, my market's just not that much, that many people coming in. But back to my point is like, there's so many ways to do this listing tours. Brad McCallum's another example. Brad is on the opposite side, just listing tours for the most part, but high end, really high quality. Um, I would say, uh, Tim Smith is the other guy I think of when I think of listing tours and he does a little bit of a market update. Tim Smith is even a step above Brad. Like his stuff is gorgeous. He shoots it on red cameras. He has a guy that is a good friend in the film industry that helps him create uh, a production around it. And like, they're just really incredible. Um, and now again, he's representing 20, $30 million homes, but that's another way to do listings. Then there's guys like Craig Cunha down in Florida, who's green screen, very, barely any B-roll. Um, it says the same thing over and over and over in every video, but because he was the first in his industry, and he was the first in Florida, his channel's blown up and he has 20,000 followers. Yep. So I think, um, so where we started is not necessarily where we're shifting. We realized that we have to niche down if we want to grow. Um, and I don't think we're going to give up listing tours. I think what we're going to end up doing is the Living in Coastal Virginia YouTube channel is going to be just that. If you're moving here or if you live here and you want more information about it, that's all it is. It's not, so like Dan on the street stuff that I've done, that right. The neighborhood, here's the top five neighborhoods for the working professional, that will still be there. Pros and cons of living in there, that will still be there. Um, cost of living, that will still be there. But listing tours, that's going on its own channel. Um, and, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because my, it's so funny how like if you shift just a little bit, you had a piece of content that really spoke to me um, probably last month 
where it was just, it was just you shooting from the hip. And I know that that's something that you and I have always talked about or, or have talked about consistently when I want you to, to shoot from the hip on content instead of sometimes planning it out. Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. be a little bit of a wild man, right? Like let the line out of the cage a little bit. And when you did that, I don't even know if like you and I were talking about that. I think it might've just been a piece of content that maybe Sean mm-hmm. saw and was like, yeah, you know, this kind of, this kind of spoke to me a little bit, which is what's good about having somebody on your team, multiple people on your team going, I, I know that you might not think that this is a good piece of content put out, but I think we should put it out anyway. Sure. The, the interesting part is, is that when we go just slightly outside our niche, like you said, you want to niche down a little bit, but when we go slightly just outside of our niche sometimes and talk about something that's passionate about that we're passionate about, it broadens the audience it broadens the audience that maybe for a real estate agent, not that person's not really ready to buy a house right now, but they needed to hear that message from you right now. Sure. And by hearing that message, they they decided, you know what, I like this guy. I'm going to follow him yeah, for yeah. more content if he puts this out. Then when that person's ready to purchase a home or they know someone who's ready to purchase a home, they're yep. saying, hey, you need to go check this guy out. And I can tell you that for my content, that's worked 100%. Yeah. So I'm glad that you like did that and it showed me how you can diversify your content. And I think the lack of you thought you had to do it one way mm-hmm. at some point in your career, I think that actually did at some point hold you back when you just sure. would open the cage and run. I yep. think you had a bigger opportunity. I, yeah, I, I would be curious. I mean, I'll say this and I'll let you kind of give your input on it. I think that the YouTube shorts can kind of be that. If let's just say the channel is a little bit more niched, I'm just doing area information, but let's say, um, cause I heard, uh, Mr. Beast was talking about this and the short form is just slightly outside the niche. It's, it's an opinion piece. It's a inside view to their personality. It's, a the behind the scenes production stuff. It like the niche only has so big of an audience. And when you go a slightly outside, so like Mr. Beast is a really good example of this. The reason Mr. Beast can have the size of channel that he has is because it's like giving money away. It's entertaining. The The amount of people that can watch that type of content is enormous. But if you have a channel that is uh, 1960 trailer homes, there's only so many people that will watch that style of content. So I say that like I think YouTube in particular, the platform, tends to for long form content, tends to pref- show preference for something specific. But I think you can use YouTube shorts to to broaden the funnel in some capacity, whereas like TikTok and Instagram, I think already have a little bit of that going on. You can yep. be a little bit of everywhere. Like yep. Linda Baker is a good example of this. She's talked about just about everything, mm-hmm. but it is still about her. I don't know what your your opinion would be on that. Well, I, I mean, I I think that when you're in a position where you know so much and your knowledge you've you've carried so much knowledge with you over time and you finally have decided okay uh i should probably start sharing the knowledge that i've i've gained over the years and you mm-hmm. feel like you've then hit the brick wall and you've talked it all out and you're like i don't mm-hmm. really know what I, that's where people get the fear of i don't know what to talk about it's because they feel like they've talked about it already multiple times the, one mm-hmm. of the big things is this they forget that people don't go back through their profiles and look at all the content that they've done. That's a very rare occurrence that happens. So most people have not heard what you've said before. Number one, number two, number two, 
I believe that there is a spot for everybody to talk about something that interests them outside of what they do for a living. And I think that's one of the easiest things that they can do to use YouTube shorts for. They can use YouTube shorts right now to have a lot of fun, be very entertaining, let the comedian side out of what of who you are or what you do. And you can garner attention like that. I mean, very rarely do I put anything on YouTube shorts that is in any way helpful to the world mm. at all. Sure. A lot of it is very sarcastic, you know, goofball Todd. And some people just like that Todd instead of all the other stuff. Yeah. And I get that. So I had some real world validation of that, um, that, that boat video that I put out. I also, yeah. you know, took, uh, took tick save, which we got from you, which removes the, um, the emblem on there. And I yep. put that on uh, YouTube. I want to say that got, 2100 22,000 22 not 22,000 2200 views so I had a client I have a client that I'm working with right now and um we were discussing about putting together an offer and she just goes hey by the way um we actually just started watching some of your short form content on YouTube they don't know I have an Instagram they don't know I have a TikTok and she goes some of it's hilarious and other she goes in in other cases um I actually kind of prefer it in some ways because it's these, these are quick bite-sized chunks Mm -hmm. So this is someone who found me on YouTube. They found me on YouTube, started watching long form content, and then uh, YouTube started shoving short form content in front of them. And they were like, Ooh, I really like this as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that did nothing but like further bond us. So she gets a yep. sense of a little more my personality, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just the, that, that to your point, that's where I believe the casting of the wide net thing is so important. And you do a real good job of that. You, you cast your net. I mean, as far as you can throw it, you're, if you're anywhere, you're there, you're everywhere. Mm -hmm. That is, and I mean, you're more everywhere. Honestly, you're, you're, you're in more places than I am. I mean, I'm on YouTube, but not at the, not to the extent that you're on YouTube. I mean, I, I don't think I am. Um, could I be, should I be? Yes. Um, do that's, I make, that's where I got the bags in my eyes. I'm just tired yeah. of it. But dude, <laughs> I make up excuses just like everybody else of why I'm not doing it. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. and, and I, you sometimes drink my own Kool-Aid, but sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to fucking do this. I really don't want to be a long form content creator. And, but I think some people have a better talent skill for it. And I think you're one of those people where I don't want to go do man on the street. That's why I hired somebody to go do man on the street for me and come back and I'll take the videos and we can do it that way. Sure. But I think when you have the ability to cast that wide net, it puts you in a much, much stronger place than anybody else, because we're in, Look, I mean, we're looking at TikTok right now as it's a great platform, but in reality, dependent upon who gets into the White House next or in, over the next few years, that app could be gone. Yeah, I, I don't think, think it will, but it could be. Sure, sure. I um, some of it is, I think, um, like diversification and, and risk tolerance. So, like, I also saw it as like, what if my YouTube channel got shut down? Yep. Okay, well, there's a safety in having. A, uh, a TikTok channel and an Instagram channel and a YouTube shorts yep. um, and having sphere of influence. So this was the other thing I saw is like, I, I didn't realize how potentially vulnerable I was as a business person mm -hmm. by only having one way of getting business. Mm -hmm. um, the, the YouTube, the short form content, I think better than, way better than long form content has done a great job with my sphere of influence. People actually see, I saw a guy at church the other day and he goes, dude, I, I can't get you out of my feed. I was like, well, you can go up there and say not interested or see less. He goes, no, nah, you know, I, I even watched all the way through to make sure the algorithm gets the, the full. I was like, I do hey, that too. That's, that's really nice. Um, but it was like, you know, he's like, he, he's actually a monk. 
Um, he, so he's never going to buy a piece of real estate, but he's like, I, I still watch it. I think some of the stuff is yeah. entertaining and I learn things on occasion. Super nice dude. Um, so I, I think, uh, even if you're not looking at it from the perspective of I'm going to go get all of this business, I want to build this big brand. If all you're going to do is put out three, four, five pieces of content a week, just so that the people that already know, like, and trust you are reminded that you're in business. Mm -hmm. And also it further solidifies or it has an opportunity to further solidify. I want to do business with this person when the time comes. Yeah. Reality is, is we all know, um, Todd, you know, personally, out in your marketplace, you probably know two or three or four or five agents. Yep. Um, so outside of what you do for business, because you have, you know, a lot now, uh, here's how I kind of think of marketing. Anything that you're going to buy, whether that is a insulated mug, you're going to get a haircut, going to buy a new car, going to go to a rest, uh, fancy restaurant tonight. If I were to ask you, hey, Todd, um, I need to get a gift for my wife or get a cologne. You have a number one slot, you have a number two spot and maybe a number three spot. If you were going to go to the car, you have a number one spot, a number two spot, a number three spot. Your job as a real estate agent with all the people that you know is to try to force your way into that third spot, maybe the second spot, maybe the first spot. And it happens over time. And so if you are not putting out content, I think it is the cheapest, the cheapest, the cheapest, easiest way to get in front of people consistently over time and to slowly and incrementally get into that first spot. Yep. Um, so I think even if you're not trying to build a big brand, even if you're not trying to go big and broad and trying to be a Brad McCallum or a Bob Tompkins or a Tracer on or like these people who are trying to build big businesses and trying to get mm -hmm. mass notoriety and speaking gigs and that type of thing, you are missing you're missing such an opportunity to get in front of people that already know, like and trust you. Yeah. And not only that, you're the it's 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 the funny part about what you just said was the uh portion of like what the intent is on the content right like there's there's guys like bob where i know for a fact obviously his intent is to recruit it's it's to get the attention of people that might say this guy knows what he's talking about he knows what he's doing he would be a great person to ha have on stage to hold the attention of an audience for you know 45 minutes or whatever it is and i'm sure they're going to walk away with with learning something Mm -hmm. that there's intent for what he's doing. And a lot of the times we, we, we get, we get screwed up and thinking that we put a piece of post, we put a piece of content out and we think that every single piece of content has to have some sort of intent to it. And mm -hmm. the reality is, is that it doesn't, they think that, that it does though. They think if they put out a post that says they've got a house for sale, that th their intent is that someone is going to look at that post and they're going to be like, oh, I got to message this person immediately and reach out. And it's just a picture of a fucking house. Mm -hmm. When in the reality is if they would have went a little bit deeper on that house, they would have garnered more attention from it. Just like I said yesterday with the post that I said where the girl posted the quote and I mm -hmm. said, if you just added a little bit of music behind it, slow down, put yourself on cam camera, you're a beautiful girl and, and just talked through the quote you would have gained more attention and would have gained more engagement than just putting the quote out. And mm -hmm. it's just going a little bit further, but they, they it's just the average person just is unwilling to do that. They just don't want to put that much effort in. And then they blame the platform for not giving them the attention that there's sure. people like yourself, like Bob, yeah. you know, get from the, the platforms. It's as simple yeah. as that. 
you just it's so easy to ask that person you're like well they're the platform's not giving us like tell me the last time that you fucking looked at one of those posts and engaged with it tell me tell me the last time and tell me the last time you engaged with somebody that was like shared a heartfelt message on the platform yep so don't don't complain to me about how it's not working when you don't even engage with the platform in that way you're a liar that, that right there is the strongest statement that you can tell anybody when it comes to any of this. It's how much do you deposit back in? And when I say deposit, I'm not talking about distributing content. How much do you deposit back into the platform for other people? Mm. How much are you giving? That giving part should outweigh the mm. distribution part by like 75%. Can I, I give you some credit? A, a, dude, I mean, I can tell you, I spend a large portion of my day in, in engagement. <clears throat> That, that was the easiest way for me to grow. Yeah. I want to, I want to give you some credit too. Uh, I, I've heard it say once, but every now and then it's, it's like, you have to hear it for the 15th time for it to finally hit home. Um, I think in some ways, so like I think of uh, Connie, who's a, an agent here locally that I was trying to argue with her, like, you've got to put out content. You know, she's a, a slightly older lady who's been in the business for a while. Um man, she has a massive heart and she's such a sweet, genuine, kind person. And I was like, you are not having the impact in the world that you ought to have and you deserve it. And there are tons of young agents that need to hear your message. And I think you had said something similar to me as like, Dan, and we, you were having a conversation and it was like that right there, what you just said needs to be as a piece of content because there's a young agent out there that needs to hear that message. I would say that whether you're a real estate agent, loan officer, anybody in any industry to a, to a degree, there are lessons that you have learned in your life. There are moments that you've had of pain, of, of genuine um, like good things that you need to put out into the world. And you're not creating good in the world because you're a bitch and don't want to be on screen. I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't say it any better myself because that's really what it comes down to. It really comes down to the, the, it's, it's like a cowardness almost of uh, I'm afraid what somebody, I mean, that's really where I hear the most. I'm afraid. Well, it's about, it's about you. Like, it's not about the others. Like yeah. you, you are so caught up on not looking a certain way rather yep. than the good that you can produce in the world. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to the relatability thing. My friend Nikki's got, you know, probably 3 million followers now. <clears throat> um, people follow her for her personality. Mm. This woman is raising three kids and she uh, dresses in, I mean, the lot, the entire month this month, she's been in Christmas pajamas. I don't think she's ever dressed up. I've never seen her in anything other than she, she dresses like a goddamn teenager, sweatpants, hoodie, <laughs> a long overcoat, you know, yeah. white socks and tennis shoes, but it's the relatability. And that's why people love her. That's why Dunkin' Donuts was like, Hey, we're going to stroke you a check of nine grand every single month. There, there's a reason for that. I got to get Chipotle to do that for me because yeah, well, I, feel, I feel like I talk them up every, every well, They did a great thing with her just recently where they gave her, they, Dunkin' Donuts sent like $2,500 uh, Amazon gift, or American Express gift cards to her to go to Dunkin' Donuts out, uh, places, locations, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. hand them out to the employees from Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, that's cool. Do you see that's, and then she, of course, her job is to film her giving that and doing that. Sure. That's, that is the type of marketing that is when, when you're sitting in a room, when they're in New York City or they're in you know, Chicago or they're in LA and, and the marketing people are sitting, that's why you pay those types of people because you, you would never think of that. You would never think of that idea. 
going somewhere else using, again, someone else's leveraging someone else's sphere of influence and mm -hmm. doing something kind like that. That's, that's where these, that's where everyone else starts to fail, but it also shows massive opportunity for creators on here. And just because you're a real estate agent on here doesn't necessarily mean that it can't turn into something else. You mm -hmm. have no idea by not posting how many opportunities you have completely and totally botched for your life sure. by sure. not being on here. Yeah. Blew it. So that's where I'm at. Um, I want to do a part two with you because we had some we had some issues with with part one. Sadly, it is what it is. But I want to do a part two because I want to really dive deep into YouTube and YouTube Shorts because I really want to pull the curtain back a little bit more on if a real estate agent wanted to start a YouTube channel, kind of how they would do that because I think yeah. that YouTube is just going to become. In my opinion, it's going to become probably one of the biggest places for a real estate agent to live and create content, being that the younger generation, that's what they watch on TV. So like you and I can sit here and be like, hey, yeah, I remember those Friday nights we would watch Airwolf and Knight Rider and stuff like that. And we only had four channels or whatever it is. Our yeah. kids are growing up and they're really like, remember when we would watch YouTube and you know, we would watch uh, Blippi and, and all this other stuff. Of course, that's what they're going to talk about. And that's what they're doing right now. So I think by you being there, you kind of future-proofed yourself, but I think that that story needs to be be told even longer. So I want to do a YouTube-esque episode where real estate sure. agents can really kind of hone in and be like, how do I do it? How did I get, how do I go from square one all the way out to where you are right now? And I think that's going to be really important and viable to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first they should start off with short form content. And they should uh, hire Todd to be their coach. <laughs> I say that I, I, well, I, I'm not taking any more clients. Yeah, yeah. I, I hire Todd because I see value there and I continue to hire Todd because I see value there. Um, and I, and I genuinely, Sean and I have said this multiple times. If, if we have, would have started on short form content, I don't even know if we would have started a YouTube channel because I just think it's so much, the barrier to entry there is so much lower. Um, but now that I've done both, uh, I will continue to do both. What's your favorite platform right now? Ooh, favorite platform. To, yeah, to consume or to create content for. Um, well, let's go. Let's go both. What's your favorite to consume one, and what's your favorite to create one, and then sit back and wait and see how it does? Yeah, I. Um, so I think the the part of me that likes to rely on things that are proven um still likes a lot of youtube because i'm like all right i can create there and i know what the roi is and i know how it works um so i'm still you know i've been creating content on the short form side only for about five months but i've been very very consistent very yeah, consistent. definitely you can't so, tell um the i actually as just a general consumer i just don't think anything can hold a candle to tiktok i i did the and, and and get outside of the girls and scantily clothed doing dances that you would be ashamed if your wife walked by moments. The the like Salt Hank. Do you follow Salt Hank? The, the no, sandwich guy? but oh, now man. I will. Dude, crazy good sandwich maker, dude. And, and all he does is make sandwiches, and it's just yeah. it's so entertaining. Oh wait, the guy where they walk in his diner. Uh, no, this it's all like it's kind of got the ASMR feel where it's like okay. you know, he'll take okay. the butter okay. and spread it on the bread. It makes a crunchy noise. It goes across, and everything's yeah. like. Like if you were to go to a really high end sandwich shop, that's what he's yeah. doing inside his house. It's just lovely. Um, there's some, you know, married humor. I, the algorithm is so good at putting in 
front of content and testing and like, all right, well, we know that you'll like it this much. So we're going to put this much content in front of you because we know it's going to work. And then we'll test right here. And the test is actually, you know, the, sometimes when stuff comes through, I'm like, I do like that. Mm-hmm. Damn you, TikTok. How do you know me so well? I don't yeah. like this. Um, yeah. I, I just think for for actual consumption, it's really hard to beat TikTok. Um, and, and I feel them also the most challenged by TikTok because I feel like my funny creative side is really being challenged there. And in some ways, I, I kind of like that because I'm like, all right, I'm so used to just being like, well, the cost of living for Norfolk, Virginia is blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, well, how do I how do I talk about some of these things and then make it entertaining? And how do I keep attention for 15 seconds? That's so much harder than five minutes. Five minutes, I can be a little bit boring. I just think um, I, I'm very fascinated with TikTok right now, and I really want to get good at it. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I think I'm I'm right there with you. I think TikTok, as far as consumption, I'm, there's no question. Like I I consume that way more than anything else. And then I would say, um, for me, I'm excited the most about YouTube Shorts. Mm. But believe it or not, my confidence is starting to rebuild with Instagram slowly but surely. And I'll give you a couple reasons why. One. I see not only for myself, but other people, I'm starting to see there's been a lot more in the last, and this is very recently. I would say within the last three weeks, I've seen Instagram start to give more opportunity to creators. It has has slightly stepped up its bonus game. Mm -hmm. It has slightly stepped up a little bit of drip performance. And what I mean by that is, you're putting out content. The people that are putting out content consistently, Instagram is pushing one or two pieces of content a little bit further than they typically would. And they're starting to realize, God, if we do that, we can keep them here and get them re-excited about the platform again. If we give them just a little bit more. And sure. that's what TikTok did in the very beginning. And they still kind of do that, but that has kind of declined over the last three weeks. And I think that has gotten me a little bit more excited. The last thing that's gotten me excited about Instagram is the notes, is that Instagram notes got me super excited because it is, is such a minimal change, Mm. but has a huge root of potential for where it can go. And you don't have to put, it's all about creative thought to make someone laugh a little bit. Mm. And that's all it is. And that right there, just that small thing is what Twitter used to be a long time ago before it got so serious. And Mm. I think that it brought up a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people. So it got me excited about the platform again. And TikTok, unfortunately, just hasn't put out any updates that I've been like, wow, this is super awesome. Like they haven't come out with anything new. Are they waiting for 2023 for that? I don't know. But I think it was a smart play by Instagram to release something like that that was nostalgic for who I they believe in, who I believe is the age group of their average user right now which is that 35 to 45 age group, because it is aged up like crazy. It's aged up like crazy. So I think that's, I think that's my number two right now. hundred percent. Have you messed it all with Snapchat? Uh, Not really. And the only reason I said, I mean, I've been on Snapchat for a long time, but it's just, for me, it's, there's nothing there that catches my attention that I can't get from YouTube shorts. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't really messed with it at all. And a lot of people on Snapchat, to be quite honest with you, you have to think about, again, intent. Mm-hmm. What's your intent for that platform? Well, it's its age demographic is very low. 
And it's not like it's going to monetarily change our lives. Yeah. Right. Um, the attention over there, even if we got attention, you know, what are we doing with that attention? I think sure. their ads platform has, has significant upside specifically because they put a lot of investment on the mapping section, much like Foursquare did in the very beginning. And yeah. because location is very important to them within that app. That's how, you know what I mean? Like they use that as their, the meetup. It's like the meetup place, right? Like when you were growing up, you had McDonald's. Snapchat's like the meetup place. Oh, Johnny's near me. You know what? I'm going to hit up Johnny real quick and go over and see him. That hasn't really been added into Instagram or TikTok or anything else like that. Will it be? No idea. I don't think they have the data for that, but Snapchat has it, which I think might put them in a position at some point to be bought out. And I know for a fact, that's why Facebook wanted to buy them all those years ago. They want, they want that data of the mapping. Sure. Sure. Um, and it's why Foursquare ended up becoming one of the largest distribution channels for, for um, uh, GPS on the planet and SEO, because they have so much data from so many people over that span of like, you know, 15, 20 years that it was out there you know, the guy was able to collect his check and, and walk out. It just didn't take off as a social media platform. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's so, interesting. yeah it really is, man. Um, Dan, where can people follow you, man? Uh, so Instagram would be uh, Dan Inman underscore coastal Virginia. YouTube is living in coastal Virginia. Uh, TikTok, um, you know, Dan Inman, you'll, you'll find me there pretty easily. Uh, let's see here. What's the actual thing? Dan Inman Cova Realtor. I got to figure out something better than that. That's just driving me nuts. That it's, it just seems dorky. I don't know. Um, so maybe maybe I'll I'll uh, talk to my coach about that on the next call about how to brand better. I think that's super smart. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't cancel his call with you. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> give me uh, before before we roll off here. I always I always like to ask kind of like like three quick like gunfire tips. You know, give me three like tips that a real estate agent or anybody that's you know wanted to start a personal brand. Give me three like quick tips that they can kind of keep in the back of their their mind going, all right, this is, I'm going to pull the trigger on it. I'm going to do it. What are quick three tips that these people could use? Mm, anything? Anything. Okay. Um, the barrier to entry is low. Your, your, your phone. I mean, the camera on here is insane. Uh, and, and it is uh, doing it within the platforms themselves. Uh, if, if you're consuming content and you see something, just try it, be, try to be creative, go in there and just, it's going to take some time. I remember Gary V was, was, beating up on people at a, a conference that I was at. And he's just like, yeah, it takes some time. So like spend 10, 15, 20 hours learning how to do these things. If you're going to be a creator, then then this is kind of the price of entry. Um, if you're expecting to get in there and there be no cost of entry, then you're you're full of shit. Like it's just, this is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I think being being okay with failing, you know, and, and the, the you're probably going to do better by putting more content out and not less. Uh, so like stop overthinking it and just go in there and do it is, is a big one. Um, so yeah, first one would be buried entry, super low. Just don't, don't worry about that. Produce more content rather than less. Um, if you're, if we're talking specifically about real estate agents and loan officers, look, the reality is, is if you're doing as a real estate agent, 20, 30 deals a year, you've got some margins or you should have some margins. If you're a smart businessman to hire somebody, you had mentioned having, you know, Sean behind the camera here. One, like one of the huge things that Sean will do every now and then is he goes, wait, 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 I have no idea what you just said. That makes no sense. 
got to simplify it down. Got to, you know, it's got to have a little more clarity. So I reshoot. If I didn't have Sean there to do that, they would go along. Um, it would be much more difficult. Sean helps set up the camera. Sean helps us set up the lights. So if you have the margins, if you don't have the margins, then, you know, err on the side of the stuff that goes into, you know, the platform itself. But if you do have the margins, I think hiring help goes a really long way. I don't do any editing. I don't touch the, the equipment, um, but I have the margins in my business to, to hire that help. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to end it because I, I will tell you that at, at, at the end of the day, a majority of the people that you see creating content on, on these platforms and you feel like they're doing it a little bit of a higher level than what you're used to seeing, there's probably three or four people behind them that are, that are doing a majority of that legwork. They, they sometimes get a shout out. They sometimes don't, you know, Sean, in my opinion, is, is super strong. Um, very, very similar to TJ, in my mm -hmm. opinion, where it's, it's one, it's just one of those people that you can count on that person to be brutally honest with you. And if you can have that, as well as you can take all the things that you're really good at and you focus on that and you hire these people that are really good at one or two of these specific things and you hand it off to them and you get a little bit of trust and you work them for, for them a little bit longer, the ease of making content becomes quicker and faster and faster and faster because yeah. you get into a really good rhythm. I'll, I'll add a part two to that last piece then because I, I think a lot of creators or people who are just starting think they're super impatient. Yep. Incredibly impatient. Um, and it's taken two years to get to a point where Sean's gotten. It's yep. taken a year and a half for our long form editor to be, get to where he's at because he had some baseline skill, but I hired more on character. I was like, I know this person, I, I trust them. And then there was this for years, it was, hey, Sean, I really want to do this. And Sean going, hey, I don't know how to do that. Okay, cool. let's go figure out a Skillshare course. Let's go look at full-time filmmaker. What piece of equipment do you need? And so it was this slow, iterative, grinding process. If you really want to produce content, you've got to be an adult about this and see this as a slow, incremental thing. This is not P90X. You're not getting the results that you want in a short period of time. And if anything, there are people that have seen massive overnight success. Sean and I have said this multiple times. If we had saw that massive overnight success immediately, we wouldn't be where we're at today because we would have been like, oh yeah, we got this fucking figured out. We're the bomb diggity. We don't need to improve. Look at all the success. Uh, I, I'm almost grateful that we've had a little bit of an uphill slog going on. So you got to be patient. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think it, it's, if you ask pretty much any successful like entrepreneur out there, uh, and this it goes for anything, right? Like the very beginning is like the worst part. It, 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 it fails at the moment hurt really, really bad. But man, when you finally hit it and you make it and you start looking back, you're like, God, I would have never been able to be where I am right now without all of those hiccups and learning experiences that came through it. And, and again, you look at failures now as failures, but in the reality is when you get into the future and you look back, it wasn't a failure. It was learning experience to help get you to where you are now. That is often overlooked in the moment, but uh, very, very rarely is it looked back on and going, oh, you know, I'm glad that kind of happened. So um, I think it's a great way to, to end the episode. We are going to do a part two, and it's because I really want you guys to know about YouTube. I and, and in my opinion, I would rather lean on someone who's currently in it at the moment that is is utilizing it in a in a high level way and is utilizing it in a way that they're actually seeing real ROI by using it organically. So I'm, I want to have Dan back for that second one. And I 100% will tell you that that is an episode you should listen to because 
In my opinion, that is the future of social media. And that's the future of good, honest paid leads, as well as very, very good organic traffic to build out awareness for yourself on the top two search engines on the planet, because those aren't going anywhere. So Dan, I want to thank you very, very much, obviously, as well as Sean for sitting through this. Um, and if you guys have any questions, Dan already gave you kind of those handles so you can go follow him. I highly recommend following Dan, not only for, for the real estate side and the knowledge side, but so a little bit of humor in there, as well as I can tell you as an entrepreneur, there are some really good motivating things that he puts out that you, you might want to hear in the morning if you're having a little bit of a down day. And, uh, and, and he's one of the guys that I watch, um, to kind of get that get that oomph going in the morning. So Dan, I, again, thank you so much for coming on, brother. I really appreciate it. Oh, same back at you, man.